Good morning. This morning we're reading from Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. You know, a new year always brings a sense of hope. Do you feel that way or not? For me, I do. You know, it symbolizes uh, on New Year's Eve, if you remember, the old man with the sickle and the young baby. Okay, I just want you to picture that. Don't necessarily look at me when you think of the old man. But anyway, um, you know, the old has passed away and the new has come. And some blow whistles, some blow horns, some put these crazy hats on, uh, some attend parties, some eat, and some drink too much during, these, uh, during the New Year's. Um, yet, you know, you just got to think about New Year's a little bit. Um, beneath all the laughter and beneath all the fun, you know, as they welcome in this New Year, don't you think that there's just a gnawing feeling in our hearts that it's all going to still be the same in the year ahead. Nothing's really changed. If anything, to be honest with you, you know, passing from the season of lights and presents and carols and all that good stuff, you know, brings on a season of dark and cold and a bleak winter and, uh, and the emptiness that it sometimes can bring and depression uh, goes a little deeper. Now, that's an encouraging start, isn't it, to the message? But, uh, you know, hang in there. Uh, and so we buy our new calendars and we hang them on the wall, and it's a brand new year. Well, we only have a few hours left of 2023, and some of us might reflect on the year how it was mixed with joys and sorrows, with goals met and goals unmet, with friendships gained and friendships lost, 
good health and illness, births, we've seen a lot of babies, you know, in our church, and, um, and deaths. That's just the pattern here. And for many, you know, New Year's is just another holiday. Uh, but for me, I, it's a time of deep reflection, both on the past year and the year that lies ahead. For, for Jesus followers, though, um, there really is no biblical significance that I can find. I'm not a theologian, but I can't find anything in the Bible that says we should celebrate New Year's Eve. But, um, but anyway, um, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't celebrate. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't pause for a minute and reflect on the new calendar year. And Moses said something so prolific, it, it just, it, when I started studying this passage here, it just kind of hit me again. Moses says, and he asks the Lord, teach us, teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. What on earth does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you in a little bit. Time, time, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. You know what? It's a gift. It's a gift to us from God, don't you think? When we think about it, that's why we got to pause. That's why we got to uh, stop, uh, you know, get off the world for a few minutes. Anyway, Paul said it himself in Ephesians. He said, make the best use of your time. Make the best use of your time. And I have sinned much this past year. And you have sinned this past year. Come on now, let's be honest. Because we haven't made the best use of our time. If you ask my wife, and please don't, I'm a manana guy. A tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm busy goofing off. I don't want to do this, or I don't want to do that. So um, I've got to confess my sin too. And I want this year to be better for me and to be better for you. So, you know, New Year's reminds us, for me, it reminds us of a new birth. And in a sense, you know, uh, with Jesus, it's a chance to turn the page on an old life, on the old year, and embrace a new one. After all, aren't we new creation people? 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're new creation people, and we have to remind ourselves of that. And we serve a God who renews us daily by the Holy Spirit. And so I read in Lamentations, God took me to that verse, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. When? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love that. I wake up every morning with new mercies, new opportunities. You know, and, 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 uh, and this year I'm going to be setting some new goals, not resolutions. New goals, there's a difference but realistic goals to shoot for. And they're important. They're an important sign that I'm going to be, and I hope you're going to be, intentionable. Intention, intentionable. Intentional. My dentures just slipped for a minute. <laughs> intentional about using God's gift of time uh, in our callings, uh, in our work, in our businesses, at home and in church. And when we work and we plan, even in seemingly insignificant endeavors, guess what? God will bless them. 
God will bless them, and he'll give us that wisdom that we need to fulfill his will. He really will. You know that. I'm not telling you anything different. The first day of the year, tomorrow, I'd like you to start with the optimism, okay? And, um, I, I, you know, you might think that, you know, just like last year, that uh, our time here, we have all the time in the world. But I want you to think about what Moses said. I want you to listen, as Chrissy said. I want you to think. And then we're going to, later on, I'm going to tell you to do something. And so one of the wisest things we can do at the beginning of the year is to live in light of that perspective of time, to have the right perspective, to have God's perspective. Are you with me? Okay. I need this message. I've been preparing this message for two weeks. And, uh, and Margaret will tell you, even in the morning, this morning I got up and changed some things. There were some new things. It's just the way it goes. But I, uh, I, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking of the app on my phone, Google Earth. Anybody ever use that? You guys ever seen that? Yeah, it's kind of cool. And if you go there, and I love it, you see a picture of the whole globe, and it's spinning in outer space, as if you're looking at Earth from the spaceship, uh, the shuttle or something, uh, whatever. And then slowly, it finds your location. It feels like you're flying through the air, you know, to where you are. And first you see your country, you see your state, you see your city, and then you see your street. And, 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 and but sometimes though, you wanna change locations and it still stuck you on the old location, right? And so you press a button that allows you to find out where you are. And it will send you back in the air, shift you to your new location, and then you zoom back to see where you are. And so, what I hope we can do this last day of 2023 is to see where we are. And this, if we listen in Psalm 90, will tell us. It will tell us where we are. It's kind of an unusual psalm. You usually hear it at funerals, right? Uh, most, uh, a lot of times I'll hear it at funerals, and uh, you wonder because it starts out, you know, there's a lot of depressing things in that psalm, but it's really not. Uh, and we're going to listen to Moses today, and we're going to consider, we're going to think about some things. Don't think about lunch. Don't think about the football game, okay? That's a sin. No, I'm really kidding. But anyway, <laughs> just wanted to see if you were listening. But um, what are we to consider? What are we to consider? Now, let's look at this psalm here, okay? Uh, the psalm is 17 verses. 11 of the 17 are getting us to consider two realities of life. And in order to take the action prescribed in verses 12 through 17, we need to take in the realities that the psalm presents to us in verses 1 through 11. Did you get that? Okay, I hope you're still looking at it. But before we can navigate where we want to go, we need to understand where we are right now in relationship to Psalm 90 and in relationship to time. In other words, let's hit the find yourself button right now. Let's just hit that button and see what's going on. And I believe this was written by, I believe this psalm was written by Moses. Other commentators say something different, but the very title 
A prayer of Moses, a man of God. I like that. A prayer of Moses, a man of God. It was written in the wilderness during 40 years that Israel was wandering in the desert. You all know that. About two or three million people left Egypt. A whole generation of people had to die. And, and I just thought for a minute, as I was, uh, you know, uh, if there was newspapers at that time, if there was obits, I think every page would be filled with names of people who had died. Names of people who had funerals, okay? Spurgeon wrote, you could track the progress of the nation by the graves they left behind. Phew, how tragic. And in the middle of all this, Moses reflects on two realities that were true back then, and they're just as true today, my friends. Some things don't change. And so Psalm 90 begs us to find where we are, where we are, and consider a couple things today. And that's what we're going to do. This first one, you got it. This first one's easy. Moses says, he teaches us, God is eternal. Now we know that, right? How many of you believe that? Of course, all of you, most likely. But what's the big deal about knowing that? You know, does it really have an impact on us the way it should? And an introduction to this psalm kind of caught my eye as I was reading various commentators. And I read it uh, from William MacDonald, and he laid it out so beautifully. And I just wanted to pass that on to you. You know, I'm, I'm not as smart as, you know, I think I am. That's why I have a library full of commentaries. So anyway, but he said this. I can just picture Moses in his tent, and every day someone will come and knock on the tent door and report to him more deaths. Maybe on one particular day he's out walking and he sees the devastation death can bring to his people. Moses has had all he could take. Surrounded by death, he's, he's past the tipping point. He resorts back to his tent. He falls to the ground on his face. And he pours out his heart to the Lord. And I think that's a great introduction. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now he starts that, you know, I could just see it coming from his lips. Lord, the psalm begins with the great affirmation concerning the relationship of man to God. And it's interesting the Hebrew word that's used. He doesn't use Elohim, okay, which is the mighty one. He doesn't use Jehovah, which is the helper. He uses the Hebrew term Adonai. Adonai, which is sovereign Lord. Moses says that God has been his dwelling place, his habitation, the home of man, for all these generations. And the last couple of years with the pandemic, with my mom dying, family struggles, so forth and so on, the one thing that has brought me comfort was knowing that my God is sovereign. I've repeated that word hundreds of times. My God is sovereign. And then to know that God is my dwelling place you know, we have a homeless ministry, and it's wonderful. 
And it's a sad thing to see people homeless. But spiritually speaking, that never needs to be the state of a believer, does it? We have our home in him. And our home should be a place where we rest, where we can find ourselves, where love and happiness dominates. All this should mark our relationship with Adonai, shouldn't it? Absolutely. And the thought that should help us also, not only that God is sovereign, is the conception of God as our dwelling place, our refuge. And I love this phrase here, the home for our soul. Moses needed it. We need it. We need it. We have it, but we need to bring it to the surface in this new year. And so, with that said, Moses gets his camera out, and he puts the widest lens on, and he zooms out. And in another commentary that I read, the biblical illustrator, here's what, here's what it says. The songwriter Moses says what God has been, but he implies what he still was and would continue to be. His divine being reaches from an unlimited past to an unlimited future. So when we think of how old Moses is, and we think of him praying this prayer, he zooms out and he says, you know, God, before Egypt, before the mountains, before the earth was even formed, before any of this was real, you are God. Doesn't that blow you away? You know, if you don't stop to consider these things, then it doesn't mean anything. And so, before the mountains were brought forth, he's looking out on Mount Sinai, he is God from everlasting to everlasting. And not only that, but moving on, he says that, uh, you know, uh, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it's past, or as a watch in the night. Moses reminds us that a thousand years ago to God is like yesterday. It's like Saturday. And in light of God's eternality, a thousand years is but a day. God is outside of time. We are not. But Moses wants us to grasp this incredible thing. And I want you to consider this as we begin 2024. The past year has gone fast for a lot of us. And nobody here, does anybody know what the new year is going to bring? Anybody? No, we don't. But God stands outside of time. And a thousand years is insignificant to him. Understand time from God's perspective, and I guarantee it will help us in the new year. So Moses says to us, God is eternal, and God is our eternal home. Second point I want you to consider, and this is not a good one, but we need, we need to be realistic. Moses says, our life is going to be short. And it's going to be hard. How many of you like that? Especially you young, young ones, younger ones here. You know, life is short and life is hard. It's going to be difficult. And he wants us to consider this when he says, you sweep them away as with the flood. They're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it's renewed. In the evening 
It fades and withers. A human life, even the longest of lives. You know, my mom lived to 100. That's pretty old. But it's still brief. It's like a watch in the night, a flood, a dream, or some grass that sprouts up. And then it's gone. It dies. And Moses says 70, 80 years, you know, much in the same way you would think of a, and I don't know why I'm comparing it to an insect. Okay, bear with me on that. Which passes through all the stages of existence from youth to adult, between dawn and between sunset in comparison with the life of man. And as I was studying again, I read something about mayflies as I was studying this message here. And the female mayfly lives five minutes. Five minutes. And listen to this, guys. The males only live two days mating and reproducing. And they don't waste any time, do they? You know? I mean, that kind of puts things in perspective. I don't know why, but, but Moses said, this is a picture of our lives. This is what the human life looks like. Our lives are brief. God is eternal. But we're only here for a fleeting moment, just like the mayfly. And James, write, James writes, yet you do not know what tomorrow is going to bring. What's your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time. And then... Let's all do that together, ready? That's quick, isn't it? <laughs> like a hand breath, we're done. I, 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 don't, I can't tell you how sobering this message was to me, but filled with hope too, and we'll get there. But besides being brief, you know, if that wasn't enough, Moses says our life is hard, verses seven through 11. The point Moses is trying to make is, it's hard for a reason. Our life is hard for a reason. And that reason is because of God's anger. Remember, there were so many that died in the wilderness. And why did they die? They rebelled. They rebelled against God. The spies came back. They said, hey, forget it. We're not going into Canaan. It's too tough. You know, we, we just, it's too dangerous. But God told them to go. And God told them to have that faith. What the eye of faith can see, the human eye can't see. And they were living and they were dying in tents in the wilderness because of the consequences. Remember, Moses was constantly surrounded by death. And I know we're not living in tents and dying in the wilderness, but life's still hard, isn't it? You know, I, I sometimes just can't take it anymore because there's so much bad news out there. And even in our own church family, you know, we go through things. But you know, even so, Moses says, consider. If we don't consider, if we don't think about this, you know, things are placed in the Bible for what? To learn, for an example. And so we know, and we've got that book, we've got that playbook to give us everything we know. And so those two things, God is eternal, life is short and difficult. Now you have the first one, but the second one will leave you depressed if I just end the message here, right? You say, never have Bob up there again. Uh-uh, he's too depressing. So, uh, but I won't, because this is exciting, the second part here, all right? And even though Job says, 
And the Bible says it all through there. Man who is born of a woman is what? Is few of days and full of trouble. Mm. And so Psalm 90 was placed here. It's actually the first book, the first psalm, the way we have it arranged in the fourth part of the book of Psalms. And kind of fitting, I believe, that it's there. But this psalm is a psalm of action. And that's what I want to show you this next part, okay? Once we're thinking, we got the brains, we got the brain thinking now. Here's the first thing that Moses tells us to do. Number our days. Number our days. So as Poole writes, commentator, to number our days, to consider the shortness and miseries of this life, and the certainty and the speediness of death and the causes and consequences thereof. It's very hard to number our days, don't you think? How many of you even thought about that? Numbering our days. We can number our money. We can number our possessions. Some of us can number our children. We got so many of them, some of us in here. I don't know. Uh, if you raise animals, we can number our cattle, our sheep. We can number our chickens, and for those of you, the Lances and the Jesse, you can number your eggs too, you know? Uh, but uh, it's hard to imagine numbering our days, isn't it? I heard a story about a man who bought 1,300 marbles on his 50th birthday. He figured that if he lives to 75, he would have about 1,300 Saturdays left. So every Saturday he goes, takes a marble out of that jar, and he buries it. And it's a reminder to him that time is fleeting and that he only has a short time left. Well, Margaret tells me I've already lost all my marbles, so I'm not going to do that. But, um, but I, don't know what we, I don't know what you need to do to remind you that your days are limited. Your days are limited. And to remember that your life is short, how do we do that? It, with all the responsibilities, I look at our families here in church, and you guys just tire me out. You wear me out just thinking about, you know, your growing families, um, jobs, careers, houses and land to maintain, church responsibilities. I, you know, I don't know how you do it. You know, I know Margaret and I were raising our kids. We were going through the same thing, but we only had two. You have 10 and 20, some of you, you know. But, um, but listen, I want you to listen carefully to one of, the, uh, one of our great philosophers of our day, one of the great philosophers of our day. And he said this, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. And this man died at the age of 56, Steve Jobs. You ever heard of him? That's pretty prolific, isn't it? So as we enter the new year, I pray that we learn to number our days better than we did in the old year. And the second thing here that Moses teaches us is to seek God's mercy. Seek God's mercy. 
Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. And I won't read all the scripture. But in light of the brevity and the difficulty of life, Moses asked three things under, under God's mercy, under seeking God's mercy. Moses gives us some fantastic things to act upon. Number one, he says, pray that God would relent in his anger. Pray that God would relent in his anger. And as we look at verse 13, I believe this is a prayer about the gospel. When you think about it, this is a prayer that, that, that God's anger would not be the final word. That God would not give us what we deserve. It's a prayer that God would show us his grace. It's a prayer that's been answered in Jesus Christ. Starting in the stable in Bethlehem and ending on the cross at Calvary. His anger was removed from us as Jesus himself bore the punishment for our sins. He took it upon himself. He took God's anger and his wrath and has given us in exchange the gift of grace. How can you truly understand that? But he did it. And there might be someone here today who needs to consider what that exchange meant. And as you've heard before, the offer still stands. God's invitation is out there. And maybe somebody today needs the RSVP. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Thank God that he has already answered this prayer in Jesus Christ. For by grace we have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It's a gift from God. I hope we never forget that. Second, pray that we would be satisfied by God. Now that's a weird thing, isn't it? This is one of the best prayers I think we could ever pray. Our hearts were meant to find their ultimate delight in our wonderful God. John Piper writes, God is most glorified in us, and you've heard this a million times, where we're most satisfied in him. Mm. And that's a joy. That's incredible. And C.S. Lewis writes, God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it's just not there. There's no such thing. That's why we urge you. That's why Brian urges you. The gospel. Chevy was saying, God gives life. He's the giver of life. Why would you want to walk around dead in the new year when you can have the beautiful gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ? We've just come through Christmas. Christmas has all this build up, as we know. And I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. But the cultural message is that we'll find happiness. We'll be satisfied with gifts and family and music and movies and good food. And every year, if we're honest, aren't we just a tiny bit disappointed? Come on now. I tell people, don't be Christian, be honest. Just a tiny bit disappointed. Maybe not, maybe it's just me. Because 
we cannot find our true delight and our true satisfaction outside of Jesus. So our prayer this year, this coming year, will be to find our heart's deepest hunger met in God because he's the only one that he can... That, he can, that you can be truly satisfied with. And the scriptures, uh, uh, you know, tell that. Psalm 107, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Don't you love that? And then Jeremiah, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. Mm. That's, that's amazing. I love that. Okay, and lastly, pray that God's favor would rest upon your life. Pray that God's favor would rest. Anybody ever pray that prayer? That's an interesting prayer. Pray that God would show you his favor because he wants to. Ask God for the blessings on your life, that God would establish the work of your hands, whatever God calls you to do, because without his help, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. With his help in 2024, think of what we can do. And there's no better way, no better way than to start 2024 than to take the words from this very wise man, Moses, and really apply them to our life. God is eternal. Our lives are short and hard. And when we do those things, I think we'll have a right perspective of time, don't you? I hope we remember this every single day. And so in closing here, amen, uh, let us deeply consider our own frailty and the shortness and uncertainty of life. May we live for eternity. May we draw nearer to God each day. May we be at peace more. May we gain more wisdom. May we live in God's favor and be fruitful in all that we set our hands to do. May we bring glory to our wonderful God and Savior in the year ahead, individually and as a church. Okay? All right. And I'm going to close with this here. I love the old hymns. And this one kind of hit me. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Think about that. Let's pray. Lord, you are our dwelling place. Where else is there to go? We thank you for the gift of grace. We thank you for open arms. We thank you for the year that's passed, and we pray for the new year, Lord. Your blessings, your favor upon us. And Lord, may we be more in tune to the gift of time. In Christ's name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.